0: Yeah. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another edition of the TBH Sports Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Henry, and we have a lot to talk about after another busy week in the NFL. But first, some track talk following the Russian Grand Prix that saw a lot of excitement thanks to some late rain. And with that, let's bring on expert on all things Formula One. It's friend of the show, Ethan Jordan. Ethan, how are you doing this week?
1: A lot better than Lando Norris.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is uh, <laughs> so, so damn unfortunate for Lando, and and really for McLaren as well. Uh, and let's just go ahead and start there. I know some weeks we get caught up talking about, you know, the, the state of Formula One and kind of where all these teams are, but really just wanted to focus on the race this week. So, Lando and Lewis... Just tit for tat, down the stretch, five to six laps left to go. The rain starts to come in. And it was interesting because you really did see the difference between the teams. Mercedes called Lewis Hamilton in. They said, you're going on to the inters. We're not bothering, you know, asking you how you feel about it. This is what you're going to do. Ultimately, that results in him getting a race win. Whereas with Lando, look, I get that you want to let the guy make the call, but you've got the data. You're looking at the radar. How do you not call Lando Norris in if you're McLaren?
1: Yeah, I thought that was bizarre. Um, I, always the driver is going to say, well, what's the riskier thing with the higher reward? Well, staying on the the slicks was the riskier thing with the higher reward, and that's just how drivers are geared. That's not a driver decision. Um, so I, I think most of this blame goes on the McLaren team. Uh, I mean, come on, guys. Bring your driver in. Though I will say, Mercedes did not bring in Maltry Budass. They only brought in Lewis, but that was for other reasons. There was just kind of some of the timing things, they were working that out. So I thought that was a little interesting that even some teams brought in only one guy. But for Lando, that's just unfortunate. He he had a great drive up until that point. It was nothing to point at. like, oh, well... If he had just done this, it would have gone a different. Not, not really. It was. It really came down to that one decision. And we we talk, we talk about drivers all the time. And a driver, well, which driver's the best? Which driver does this? But it's such a team sport, and that gets lost until it's not anymore. And being on on the team is kind of a thankless job in some ways because when you make the right decision, oh, well, the driver won the race. You make the wrong decision, well, the team lost in that race. And so it's just kind of unfortunate that way.
0: Yeah, no, it, it certainly is. Also, you know, mentioning that they didn't bring Valtteri but us in, you know, it does kind of make sense with Valtteri just kind of playing the team role uh, in the eyes of Mercedes this year that, you know, they're they're really not worried about it as long as he finishes ahead of Checo, which uh, it seems like he can do in his sleep at this point. Um, but yeah, there was there was kind of another storyline that got lost in all of this, and that's uh, Max Verstappen from P20 with an engine penalty to P2 all the way back and really keeping that championship race close. If he finished outside the top 10 or even outside the top five, it was going to be a little more intriguing. But going into this next race, Lewis Hamilton only leading his championship rival by two points. Great, great drive in the wet, in the dry, whatever he needed to do uh, out of Max Verstappen this week.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. He got some help because of some of the drivers that kept on the slicks. But that being said, When you go from P20 to P2, I don't care if it's raining, snowing, hurricane, whatever. (laughs) That's just nuts. And he got stuck in, I want to say it was like P7, P6 for a while. And then the last couple laps, his surge from, I think it was P7, to P2 was just incredible. And you were reminded again this week of who the big boys are on the track. It's Lewis and Max. We like to talk about Ricardo. We like to talk about... Even Norris, I know he had a great drive. It wasn't his fault. We like to talk about all these other drivers. But when push comes to shove, when the rain starts coming and the conditions get difficult, there are two teams, two drivers that really matter and really get it done. And when the conditions are difficult, when there's more decisions to be made, harder conditions really shows that separation. And it's like the slider separates the best pitchers from the okay ones at the major league level. And the wet conditions separate the great drivers from the good drivers. And they certainly did in this race
0: yeah no they they absolutely did and so again as much as we love talking about that battle between max and lewis it really didn't play out head to head this week um again it took a, a crazy recovery drive starting from the back of the grid for max to get to p2 but that is certainly going to be a big point of interest moving forward as it has been pretty much all season and it's lived up to the hype but let's talk really quickly here about some of the other pl- or some of the other players in this race Uh, in terms of where they finished. It's another career podium for Carlos Sainz. And and here's the thing. I I said we weren't going to talk about the season as a whole. This is the one exception to that for the most part. But I want to straight up ask you, has Carlos Sainz outdriven his teammates so far this season? And I know it it sounds like a crazy question to ask on its head, but uh, Carlos Sainz currently has more championship points than Sean Leclerc. I'm not saying he's the better driver, but I think that in certain positions and conditions this year, he has looked like the better of the two.
1: First of all, science is one of the best wet drivers on the grid. Yes, sir. He is, he's just incredible in the rain. It starts raining, you're like, oh, well, as long as, you know, someone doesn't slide into him, Carlos is going to be up there for a podium. He's just incredible in the rain. I, I struggle with saying he's driven better than Leclerc this year. Some of Leclerc's early podiums were really phenomenal, and he has gotten majorly unlucky this year. I mean, it's been kind of brutal. He's had a couple car issues guys running into him I think even one instance of him running into someone or something but I I think Leclerc has gotten a little unlucky this year and as such we haven't really talked about him that much in a while which is kind of interesting because even when the Ferrari was terrible last year Leclerc was still doing things and he was getting talked about way more than his car should have allowed him to be and this year he's got a better car but he's not really doing as much so it's kind of interesting that way I, I don't I, I know part of driving is, you know, finishing the race and staying on the grid, and staying on the track. But I, I think Leclerc has almost had a, a Valtteri butt season this year. He's gotten pretty unlucky. But that being said, Carlos Sainz, what a debut for Ferrari. Even if, you know, he, he kind of stinks the last way down the stretch. I think he's looked better than expected. Not because I, I thought, you know, Carlos Sainz, well, he's not good enough to drive for Ferrari. No, no, no. Because when you're in a new car at Daniel Ricciardo, it can be difficult (laughs) to get accustomed to it. But science has jumped right in. I really have been impressed with him. We knew he was a good driver, and he is not disappointed.
0: Well, and here's the most impressive part about this to me really quickly. Let's let's be uh, completely upfront about this, right? This Ferrari is probably outperforming expectations this season, correct? Absolutely. Okay, so with that being said, For Carlos Sainz and Jean Leclerc to be as close as they are in the championship standings, they have not really gotten in each other's way. That was an issue at Ferrari with Leclerc and Vettel. Um, It's been an issue for teams in the past where there's just been a lot of drama between the two drivers. They've gotten in each other's way. They want to race each other for the most part. And I think it's just been circumstantial because it feels like either Sainz or Leclerc is doing well in these races. Um, But they really have kind of managed to stay out of each other's way, which which to me has been impressive so far this season. But I think that as that Ferrari kind of gets back to where it needs to be and starts to challenge Mercedes and Red Bull in years to come, that's where I think it's going to get a little more interesting. Um, But kind of moving on down the grid here, Daniel Ricciardo turns in another great finish he wraps this race up in p4 my question for you here is simple ethan again we'll give we'll give one of the ferrari cars uh let's let's say one of the ferrari cars does well in every one of these races because they've kind of been prone to do that so let's call it top seven how many top seven performances in a row here or or at least competent finishes does ricardo have to turn in for us to start maybe thinking that he's figured that out and, and that this season isn't just a train wreck because he's just been off his game
1: um, how many? I I don't know if it's necessarily a, a number that you can put on it though. With six races left, I think I would say I would say it's the quality of the performance as well. If Daniel Ricciardo comes through and gets two more podiums and then finishes, you know, P four and then DNS the other <laughs> couple races, well, I'll be I'll be satisfied. You know, okay, fine. It's so if we're turning in. Oh, well, there's a P5. That's decent. But then we're dropping a P9, P8, P7. I I don't want to see that kind of average performance from Ricardo across the board. I'd rather see some high highs and low lows.
0: You mean you don't want to see him get lapped by Lando Norris at Monaco again? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because that
0: happened. Let's not forget.
1: Daniel Ricardo, we we have talked at length about how poor his... (laughs) beginning of the season was but i I think he's really turned a corner i think the corner started to turn even before that that race win and i think the race before that it was really the turning point for ricardo i think he's going to be just fine the rest of this season and and I, i expect mclaren to run away with p3 from ferrari
0: all right fair enough only a couple more things i wanted to talk about out of this race i'd like to debut a new segment uh, if it's all right with you, Mr. Jordan, um, okay. I'm going to ask you one question and I just I just need the, the quick answer on this. All right. How many points did Haas score this week? Zero. All right. Well, there it is. Uh, so Haas has not <laughs> scored a point all season long. But I want to go ahead and throw another shout-out to Williams, who finished in the points again, thanks to George Russell turned into a P10 performance. By the way, George Russell started this race in third, and there was a good part of that race where, thanks to a DRS train, uh, no one could get past him, which was impressive. That Williams is the real deal, at least compared to where it was. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh. I I don't know what happened there. I, I didn't say anything, and then you cut out. That was oh,
0: weird. sorry. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, point being that, that, that Williams is the real deal uh, this year, at least in terms of what we were expecting it to do preseason. And I wanted to point out really quickly here, Ethan, I, I know we've talked about this Williams bounce back quite a bit, but they are 10 points further behind Aston Martin than what they are ahead of Haas, which is both kind of an implication on Aston, but also really an implication on Haas, who – wow, this has just been a a year for
1: them. (laughs) Yeah, Haas needs to do what Williams does and totally clean house and fix their nonsense, not just at the track, but in the the factory everywhere or, you know, just get out of F1. Uh, One of the two would work. Uh, Either would be fine with me, frankly. Uh, Haas is miserable. At least Williams has history. Right, I mean, even when Williams was just awful, you could say, well, look at the history. Haas doesn't have any of that. Haas has a, well, we almost finished the top of the midfield one year, but then screwed it up. So there's nothing really to hang your hat on if you're Haas. I think they're going to be out of F1, and I don't think anyone's going to be upset about that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And the funny thing is, I think that if it weren't for Netflix just heavily featuring them because they were a brand new upstart American team with a crazy, you know, outrageous Gunther Steiner, I think this team probably would just be in the irrelevant category. But I think everyone knows the chaos that they've been experiencing, and that kind of makes them interesting, if only from a a let's all gather around and point and laugh at Haas standpoint. Uh, But yeah, I I tend to agree. Well,
1: and they they were good that way. Yes, yeah. P4? That's the other reason that Netflix helped to show that off. But they, they were really good one time. And they had fun drivers, even without Netflix. I mean, Roman Grosjean is an experience. And Magnuson's is just, yeah. Uh, he, he DNF'd this week in the last race of uh, his IndyCar debut, which <laughs> was tragic. Oh, no. But, you know, good good season in IndyCar for Roman. He looks pretty good. Almost won a race. It was uh, He got a couple podiums. Good start for Roman in IndyCar if he sticks around there. But uh, Kevin Magnuson was a good driver, but Haas just doesn't, there's no real footing in F1 for them anymore. And they now have terrible drivers. Well, not, Mick Schumacher's not a terrible driver, but they have one terrible driver. It, it, there's nothing good about Haas. There, j- there just isn't. And Williams, I give them a lot of credit. Their car has looked better than I thought it would. The turnaround is happening quicker than expected. And yes, they're losing George Russell, but I don't think he is the only reason they have looked better. I mean, they've even made Nick Latifi look better this year. So that's a credit to them.
0: Yeah, it it certainly is. So the F1 season will continue on at Turkey, that Grand Prix set for October 10th, and then it will come to the United States. And Ethan, I know I brought up that maybe we should head to Texas, but our buddy Koki Riley on Twitter pointed something out. Forget that, man. We're going to Miami, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, Woo. that's gonna be that's gonna be fascinating. Um, but anyway, so uh, F one will continue about a week from now. Uh, look forward to tuning in for that race at Turkey, and we'll yes. have good.
1: Hold on, we are doing something that the rest of the media has kind of glanced over as well. Oh, which is too bad. Can we talk about Lewis Hamilton? winning his 100th race he reached the century
0: mark. oh true no you're right i i almost i almost forgot in the chaos of everything else but yeah it was race win number oh, yeah. 100 for uh, for I lewis mean, hamilton
1: and, and everybody wants to talk about lando and and that's tragic i get it we were hoping lando would get his first race win lewis hamilton won has won 100 races
0: which is for those of you at home that are not F1 knowledgeable that is, that is like he already had the record for most race wins in a career in a sport that's been around since the 1950s so that's that's ridiculous
1: yeah to, to that that mark seemed almost unreachable at, at one point and Matt lewis is presumably going to blow by it a little bit it, a little bit <laughs> he's like 30 well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but He's 36. I guess it depends on your definition of blow by. Is blow by 25 more wins or 10 more wins? I don't know. But can we just revel in the greatness of Lewis Hamilton? I know I'm always that guy on the show saying, "Well, look at Lewis, you know." And that's not interesting. But we're going to look back and say, "Why didn't we pay more attention to Lewis Hamilton? That's the, one of the greatest most dominant athletes ever." So just let's just appreciate Lewis Hamilton winning 100 races. And there's, and there's always going to be the arguments, well, he had the best car. He had this and that. But we saw that Lewis Hamilton has the best team behind him, and there's no doubt about that. But Lewis is such an instrumental figure in designing, helping to design the car, helping to put together the team, that I think it's wrong to detract from him for that reason. But 100 race wins, I, I don't know if we're ever going to see an athlete in our lifetimes like this again. Like between him and Simone Biles and Serena Williams, it's just kind of amazing what we've gotten to witness.
0: Well, and let's also not gloss over this, right? So he he passed Michael Schumacher, who had 91 career wins, a mark that many thought would never be broken. Uh, So he passes up Michael Schumacher at 91. Third all time is Sebastian Vettel with 53 race wins. If he wins six more races, he will have doubled the third greatest driver in terms of race wins that the world has ever seen like that's that's just ridiculous i mean these numbers are stupid these are like derrick henry high school numbers um so yeah absolutely insane achievement for lewis hamilton and i'm glad you brought it up because i honestly i kind of got caught up into the 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 media storm of everything else that was going on this week um but yeah definitely definitely time to give lewis hamilton his due so good on him and like i said the season will continue uh in turkey any final thoughts here before we wrap up f1 talk Ethan?
1: We're gonna get at least one, maybe two, more Hamilton verstappen head to head battles. You brought up how this one wasn't really head to head. And so often the battle for the championship when it's close isn't, you know, always head to head. It's that coming from P twenty to get to P two and we'll look we probably will look back on that and say, Well, that was huge. But it wasn't a neck and neck battle. But I think we'll get one or two more. Like look out for that and let's get excited for that because that's gonna be so cool to see Max and Lewis go at each other.
0: Yep, it is going to be an absolute blast. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We will step away for just a moment when we come back. Time to break down some NFL action from week three, coming up right here on the TBH Sports Podcast. Welcome back here on the TBH Sports Podcast. Tyler Henry alongside Ethan Jordan. Time to talk about some NFL action from a week ago. It was a good week three. Uh, There were a lot of matchups that I thought, you know, could be intriguing, could not be intriguing, but we were treated to some really good football. Before we talk about that really good football, let's go ahead and give you the rundown on some games that were either predictable, involved teams that just ultimately didn't matter, um, or just kind of underwhelmed and there's not a whole lot to take away from it. The Panthers beat the Texans 24-9 on Thursday Night Football. We already had a chance to talk about that one with Jordan Foote. Uh, the Cardinals beat the Jaguars 31 to 19. The Browns beat the Bears 26 to 6. The Bills hammer Washington 43 to 21. The Falcons hold on to beat the Giants in the inaugural edition of Tank Bowl 17 to 14. The Broncos bludgeon the Jets 26 to nothing. And the Cowboys blow by the Eagles 41 to 21. Before we get into the important games, Ethan, any notes you want to have or uh, any, any any you know, this is a safe space if you want to talk about the Jets. Um, <laughs> any Any comments you have on those?
1: I'd really like to not talk about the Jets, Okay, so I'm going to avoid them. All right. Um, I don't want to waste mine or anyone else's time. But the only game there that I thought was, you know, at least somewhat interesting and relevant was actually that Cowboys-Eagles game. Uh, the Eagles had looked kind of okay, actually, coming out with the, in the first two games. I know they lost to San Francisco, but not by much, and they dominated the Falcons. I thought there was a chance that they could give Dallas a run for their money, and for part of the game, they did. And then the Cowboys' offense was just too much, and they end up winning by, by 20, and it, it really got ugly in the second half. But I think Philly's kind of decent. I, I, I really do. I, I think they're they're okay. So I thought that game was a little interesting, at least for a while. But, yeah, at the end of the day, the Cowboys were the better team.
0: Yeah, I think the Eagles fall into that category of better than last year, but still not relevant. Where like they, you know, they're definitely not that three-win team that we saw a season ago where Carson Wentz was throwing an interception on every third play, trying to break Jameis' uh, career record. Um, but yeah, that's that's really about all I had to say on on that. Um, I also want to say that Washington, I, I just, I still, you know, again, I never bought the hype before the season. I didn't buy the hype early on in the season. I know Fitzpatrick's injury hurts, but... And I just, I I didn't understand why everyone thought this team was going to win the division over Dallas, but eh.
1: I knew you were going to bring this up.
0: I'm not trying to no. rub it in your face. It's just, it's no. funny because oh, no, I have no. a lot of different people on the pod and you and Koki and everybody else was just, they were so in on Washington and that defense has looked horrendous.
1: Uh, and you know what? I am not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. Fortunately, it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> We we were we were wrong about the Washington football team because it's not just the quarterback. Their defense looks terrible, and that was really what we're going to hang the hat on. They're they're like top out, and it's it's just they've looked terrible. Not just because of the quarterback. And Dallas has you know what? I was a, a Dallas doubter a little bit at the beginning of the year. I still don't trust their defense. Don't get me wrong, but boy, this offense has looked better than expected. It's, it's an elite offense for sure, and I will admit I was wrong to doubt Dallas. I think that we'll see how that defense comes along. They look serviceable so far, but I want to see more from them, but that offense is even better than expected.
0: Sure, I think that's fair enough. And to be fair, I, I also have fall into the camp of being wrong because I did not think that after three weeks of action, given some of the terrible opponents they played, Washington would be tied for the fourth-worst scoring defense in the league with Jacksonville. So uh, there's that, uh, and also really quickly, not trying to not trying to rub salt in the wound here for you, Ethan. But I, I did uncover a stat just before the show, uh, and, and I just I feel like I have to share it with you. Um, so in terms of the five worst scoring offenses in the league, are yeah 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 the the five worst scoring offenses this, in the Tyler. league. It's the Bears, Dolphins, Falcons, and Steelers, but they're all averaging more than ten points a game. <laughs> the Jets are averaging six point seven points per game through the first three. Which,
1: so, so what you're telling me is that the Jets' offense, in, in some games, gives up more points to the defense than they give for themselves. Interesting.
0: I'm also telling you that if the Jets score a touchdown and your your kicker comes out and makes the extra point, you are above your points per game average on the season.
1: That that's the problem is actually, you know, getting into their own end zone. Yeah, and not getting picked off.
0: Yeah, Ugh. but anyway, let's let's not let's not let's not. You know, I don't want to drive you into a deep depression. Let's talk about a, a different fan base that isn't feeling so hot, and that's the fan base that needs to chill out. Uh, we would have awarded the most fan The fan base with the largest overreaction it would have gone to the Packers in week one. Here in week three, it belongs to the one and two last place in the AFC West Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they lose to the Chargers, who, by the way, are a pretty good football team and now have some competent coaching in their corner. That game ends up 30 to 24, and look. Everyone is pointing for some reason, and this drives me absolutely insane, and I do not understand it. People are pointing at Patrick Mahomes. They're like, ah, you got picked off on a no look pass. Ah, you got picked off trying to force something downfield. That's what Patrick Mahomes does. And just because it finally catches up to him on a couple of occasions does not excuse the fact that, number one, they invested first round draft capital in a running back who has been bad. Not even like average he's been eh, he's been more on the average side than on the bad side but the turnovers are a problem and two this team has the worst scoring defense in the league tied with last place giving up 31.7 points per game with Detroit so if you want to take your anger out on something Kansas City uh I, I got some other better options for you it's not your MVP quarterback who has one of the best generational talents we've ever seen chill out
1: <laughs> so from what it sounds like you're saying it there's like some like 1860s miners that are saying this about patrick mahomes but uh, but based on the voice but i, I haven't seen this <laughs> really i mean i i know jordan foot jokes about it about you know fraud and all this nonsense he doesn't actually believe that he's no. not stupid enough to do that but it, it's obviously the defense i don't even think it's clyde edwards hilaire i mean he ran for a hundred something yards against the Chargers, who have a decent rushing defense. I thought he looked better. I don't think he's, you know, a world beat or anything, but I think people need to chill out on him just, just a tiny bit. It's like, well, he's not as good as Hill or Kelsey.
0: Well, no, duh.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but it's like he's the only non-elite part of the offense. Well, it can't all be elite, guys. Like, relax. It's, it's, it's the defense, and I don't think it's that close. I, I mean, Justin Herbert tore him a new one. And their rush defense is even worse than their pass defense. They ha- their defenses look miserable, and I'll tell you what they look slow. And that is the one thing that always gives me a red flag with the defense when they look slow. You know, missed tackles, other things like that. That can be corrected. You can't fix slow, and they, they just haven't looked very quick. I'm I'm not pressing the panic button if I'm if I'm a Chiefs fan. I'm not you know oh I'm lost season no 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 but. There is cause for concern. The defense gives me pause.
0: Yeah, I think I think where I'm at with this, I think we're going to learn a lot about Kansas City, not this upcoming week against the Eagles, but when they play the Bills. Because keep in mind, the Chargers did this to them at Arrowhead. The Bills are going to be walking into this building with one of the best scoring defenses and one of the best scoring offenses in the league. I think we're going to learn... Because again, if Josh Allen goes out there and just torches this team... Because they haven't faced an elite passing quarterback yet, right? Like, Baker Mayfield is fine. Lamar Jackson did it with his legs, which is what we expect. And, and we still don't know what level Justin Herbert slots into. But I'm telling you, if this team faces Josh Allen and Josh Allen goes berserk, that's when I think there's a reason to start being really concerned.
1: No, like I said, I, I think the, the concern is it's, it's the defense. Uh, the defense doesn't look very good and they're going to need to get that figured out. But as I said, if, you know, they're just old and well, they're not that old, but they look slow and you, you can't fix that.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Uh, really quickly, any notes on the chargers that we haven't already talked about it? It seems pretty straightforward for them, right? You get a good quarterback, you get a good coach. You start to put the pieces together and get the wins.
1: Oh, no doubt. I've liked the chargers for a few years now and they just do, you know, classic charger things to lose football games. I think they're, a better team than people give them credit for because of the flukiness and this year the flukes have been less and less this team could legitimately win the division they've they've got the leg up on kansas city at the moment and, and i just don't see them losing a ton more games I, I think they're just a very very good football team so if you want a hot take from me they could win the division
0: i mean it sounds hot on paper then you look at the schedule that they play and you go no that, that checks out I could see it especially if they have the tiebreaker and wins but we've got some other games to talk about from a week ago let's talk about it an AFC South divisional matchup between the Titans and the Colts Tennessee takes that one 25 to 16 I think there were just there were a lot of expectations for the Colts I just it, it just again I think they're just gonna get buried by their schedule and it's not entirely their fault but at the same time Carson Wentz is just not the guy to get the job done. I was, I was expecting more for him, kind of a maybe a renaissance year, um, and that just has not been the case.
1: Yeah, I was as well. I was high on the Colts. I, I, I thought Wentz going back with Frank Wright, that would you know be a good fit to transition from Phillip Rivers. We're not going to a rookie quarterback immediately, but you have somebody in there that has a ton of upside, really. And I like their running game from a year ago. I love their defense from a year ago. I like their offensive line. It, it, you talked about the Chiefs and how it's not time to hit the panic button. If you're the if you're the Colts, panic button has been just smashed. Like it, it's it's a bad situation. There's always a team like that that has the potential. None of the potential comes true. I think it's the Colts this year. I, I said it before the season that they were going to be a second half team. That they're a real rush towards the playoffs to be in the second half, kind of a second half darling, but. I think they may be digging themselves a bit of a hole in the first half, and I I just have not liked anything. I've seen out of the Colts, defense, offense, everything looks bad. Yeah. Ugh.
0: Yeah, and I think that it, even even though Tennessee, or even though India has not looked that great, I think this is a good win for Tennessee. You know, after they went out and found a way to come back and beat a really solid Seattle team, they come out here, they get a 25-16 victory over the Colts, they've got the running game going again. I mean, I still don't trust this team to do anything come playoff time, but, you know, looking at the rest of the division, I mean, it, it should be a lock to at least make the playoffs, I would think.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the Colts were their biggest challenger, and that doesn't appear to be the case. So I I think the Titans will waltz into the playoffs as far as moving forward. There's nothing that's going to really tell us anything about them until the middle of October. They play the jets and the Jaguars in their next two games, which, well, if they lose one of those, then it's time (laughs) to be concerned again. But then they play the bills, the chiefs, the Colts and the Rams. Yikes. in four straight weeks and then they play your Saints two time right after that. So it it gets rough for the Titans real quick. So that is going to be the stretch where we're going to see even if they don't win against the Bills and the Chiefs and the Rams, as long as they're looking confident or at least like they're in these games, then I think that will tell us something about the Titans then. But until then, I still think they're a little bit of a mystery. I'm not real thrilled with their defense right now, but Derrick Henry did look better this week, and that offensive line looked like they were more cohesive. Yep, no,
0: I completely agree with you there. And I think that, yeah, again, that defense is not going to be what that team hangs its hat on. Uh, It's going to just be a power run game, which they can pull off in the NFL. Um, And yeah, I I think Tennessee will be fine. But we'll kind of see once they hit that stretch what really this team can look like. The New Orleans Saints that you just mentioned double up the New England Patriots 28-13. Uh, a really good win for New Orleans. And I think that, you know, again, it, it took a couple of weeks for me to, to really get kind of a, a sample size that I feel comfortable with. But this defense is so good. I mean, this defense looks like the real deal, and they've looked like it against a couple of really good teams so far. Obviously, got gashed a little bit against Carolina, who put a good game plan in, but the defense is what this team's going to hang its hat on, and I'm telling you, if this offense can put up 28 points consistently, that feels like a winning margin with a lot of the games that the Saints will have on their schedule. Jameis Winston kind of came back to earth. He did throw one terrible pass, which resulted in a touchdown in the end zone to uh, Marquez Calloway. I don't know if you saw that or not. That was absurd. But aside from that, I, I liked what I saw from Jameis. And again, I-, I think the Saints team has a really bright future. And I also think that I don't know if they make the playoffs, but I, I like what I've seen from Mac Jones so far in 2021. I think the Patriots will be fine. Uh, they've just got to find some offense and obviously losing your your top running back does not help with that. Um, but this team is bottom five in the league in scoring offense.
1: Yeah, when Mac Jones is your leading rusher, that's usually not a good sign. And and that was the case against the Saints. Uh, I mean, I think Mac is fine. I have no problems with Mac. He did throw three picks in the game, but he's a rookie quarterback. Those things happen, especially when you can't get a run game going at all. You're more prone to throw those picks because the team knows you're passing. You can't really – you know, pass – you know, deception is a friend of a young quarterback and – when you can't run the ball, you can't have any kind of deception. So there you go. But I've liked the Saints so far. I I, I said this before and I'll say it again. I think the saints were a competent quarterback away from being good last year. And now, now they did lose some pieces on the rest of the team, but they got a quarterback that does not hinder them though. Jameis, he's been interesting so far this year. (laughs) He, He always is. Even when he's not doing, you know, 30, 30 things, he's still weird. He threw for like what 120 yards. Yep, against he, the Patriots. You know, almost had that pick, but I think he had a touchdown or two. It's just like this is so weird. After and you know he had the one really good game, then he you know did some was terrible, and then he had this game which was just a bizarre game from from Jameis. Really, uh, I think this was more a showing of the Saints' defense, the Patriots' inexperience on offense, and yes, their lack of a running game. Yikes! But the Pats will be fine. I. Don't understand anyone who says they are better than the Dolphins at this point in time. I Stop. I, I, I'm sick of hearing that, and we're going to continue to hear it, and I'm sure we'll talk about the Dolphins in a moment. But I, I think the Patriots are good. I don't think they're great. I do like the Saints, though. The Saints are fun. I, it, Tyler, you're the Saints guy. Yeah. If you had one piece from the Saints, what, what are they missing, really, that in order to take that next level?
0: Right now? Ah, uh, I mean... It's tricky because I think in each week, there's been, I think, honestly, right now, they're probably an elite receiver away. I, I feel confident about, confident saying that. And the nice thing is, they've got one that could possibly come back and give them that production of Michael Thomas. The question is, you know, will it actually work? But, I mean, again, look at look at this game, right? Jameis Winston, 13 for 21. Who was he throwing to? Marquez Callaway, Deontay Harris, Kenny Stills? Who is back now? Tony Jones Jr., Chris Hogan, Adam Troutman, and then obviously Alvin Kamara, right? Like they're, they're a receiver away. Uh, and then obviously they're also probably one more secondary piece on the defense away just to give that, that unit some depth. Um, but other than that. I've really liked what I've seen. I mean, they've been able to get to the passer. Their linebacking core looks good. um, And offensively, they've got the pieces when they can put it together. It's just, you know, again, there are times when Jameis is looking around and you got a bunch of guys who were on the practice squad two years ago who just, you know, aren't producing. Uh, But Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Saints team is fun, which is really all I wanted this year. Um, And yeah, they've 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 given me that. Um, a couple of games here that I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about, but they were kind of surprising. Uh, let's talk first. The Bengals beat the Steelers twenty-four to ten. Uh, the Big Ben just needs to retire, <laughs> like like now, like yesterday.
1: <laughs> it, it it happens so quickly, you know. And it's the thing we're always waiting for to happen to Brady, and it just hasn't happened yet. But it's never that it seems that a guy goes from good quarterback to eh, quarterback to less than eh, quarterback to bad quarterback. It's when it's aging, it's competent quarterback. To uh oh, this guy, I uh, put him put him in the ring of ring of honor. Uh, give him give him a suite to sit in. Put him in a booth. Do something with him. Get him off the field. And that is the case with, with Ben. I, I think I think it's I think it's over for Ben. The problem is the the Steelers don't have anyone else they can put in. But because we remember the saga from a couple of years ago, I don't think they they don't really have anybody waiting in the wings still. Uh, yeah. It, the Steelers' defense is really good, but...
0: Uh, it's really good, good when it's defense. healthy, but but that's another thing, right? They lose a couple of pieces, and it looks like a completely different unit. They lose T.J. Watt, they can't get pressure on the opponent's quarterback. I mean, that Bengals' offensive line is not good. And it, it handled the Steelers this week. So... I, I think the,
1: the Bengals' offense is a little better than people gave them credit for at the beginning of the year. That's fair. I you look at their, their skill positions. They've got good wide receivers. I actually like their wide receiver core. The offensive line is still bad. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it's it's not a good offense, but it's not abysmal either. But it, there's no reason the Steelers should be giving up that many points to them. You're right. I, I, I think if Big Ben is this bad the rest of the year, which probably is going to be, it's kind of a lost season for the Steelers. And again, they're panicking at quarterback. I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't don't feel like they prepared for this moment well enough.
0: No, I, I think they put a lot of faith in a guy who had been there forever and who they expected would be there forever. And that's just not the case. And even even the back half of last year, like it was curious to me that Ben came back for this season, but You know, obviously they can't go back and take that decision back. They'll have to deal with Big Ben for the rest of the year. Um, But I agree with you. Let's give it a few more weeks. But this may be a a season where the Pittsburgh Steelers miss the playoffs. Let's talk about another team that that had a little bit of trouble this week in the same division. The Ravens. Obviously, Justin Tucker, first of all, makes history. What a kick. Uh, But they did that. By beating the Lions at the last second, that is not a team that I expected that they would be in that spot with. And I think what we're seeing, it's not really necessarily an indictment on the Ravens. It's just how many injuries they have. I mean, you look at this team's IR list, it's ridiculous. It's not quite as bad as San Francisco last year, but man, like, I think this team would be fine if they're fully healthy, but I think we need to remember that this team is down players in a big, big way.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. I mean... You Derek Wolf is is questionable. I mean, it's not just the guys that, you know, we we talked about being out for the year, you know, the big ones. But I I think the running back things is one thing. But, you know, Marcus Peters was was just a killer for them. I really think that was the biggest injury. You know, they had two running backs kind of go down in a row, so we kind of focused in on that. But Marcus Peters going down really, really hurt them defensively. I, I think the Ravens... Even with when healthy, we're are, are still the surprise-you-one-week-in-a-good-way, surprise-you-one-week-in-a-bad-way sort of team, um, which isn't a necessarily a, a bad thing. That doesn't mean you're a bad team. They're just a little streaky, and that doesn't usually play well in the playoffs as we have seen of late from them. So I, I, I wasn't real thrilled about the Ravens coming into this year anyway, and then the injuries. Forget about it. Fortunately, they play in the AFC North, which – you know the Browns are are are, are going to win that division but they're going to get some wins there I mean Bengals Steelers there's some opportunities to maybe sneak into a wild card still for the Ravens but I wouldn't say it's a lost season because with Lamar he's so dynamic again can surprise you in a good way surprise you in a bad way that you, you can, can go on a run but I just I just think It may be a lost season for the Ravens in terms of their Super Bowl hopes.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a lost season for their Super Bowl hopes. I still think this team makes the playoffs because I I think the AFC is so shallow that if you dive into it, you get a concussion. Um, And let's also not forget Justin Houston, Brandon Williams, and a couple of other big pieces, Jalen Ferguson, out for last week. So yeah, again, I'm not ready to hit the panic button on the Ravens yet, but it's just they're not the same team that they are when they're fully healthy um let's also not spend a ton of time talking about this but this is definitely worth noting it's one of those that if we had more time I'd love to spend a lot of time talking about it but the Ravens beat the Dolphins in OT first things first I think this Dolphins team is still solid I completely agree with what you said and I'm glad you said it out loud because I haven't heard a lot of people talking about this but the Dolphins are better than the Patriots this year they just are it's a pretty simple fact and when you look at the numbers they back that um but let me ask you this how many more wins are we going to need to see? I asked Jordan Foote the same thing right before this win happened. How many more wins do we need out of the Raiders before we start taking them seriously? Because I still am not taking them seriously, but I think part of that's just because they're the Raiders, and I just I don't believe that they're not going to you know trip over themselves and then choke to death. Uh,
1: I think it all depends on what you think of their first three opponents. So if you're a believer, oh, the Ravens aren't for real, the Steelers are bad, and the Dolphins are, you know, they're worse than the Patriots, and they're just a fine AFC East team then you don't think that highly of the Raiders. But if you realize the Steelers have a good defense and Derek Carr and the Raiders put 26 points up on them, that the Ravens, you know, while while streaky and they do their thing, they came back and beat a team that before the season people were saying could, you know, make the Super Bowl. And then they beat a Dolphins team that I still really like. I, I, I think losing Tua is not as big of a deal as people are making it seem to be because I don't think... Tua was that good, and I happen to like Jacoby Brissett quite a bit. So I think Jacoby will fit in just fine. The only issue there is the offense is kind of designed around Tua and his play style, which is very different from Brissett, so they're going to have to try and reconcile that. But I think Brissett, in some senses, is is the better quarterback. So I'm not worried about the Dolphins, but the fact that the Raiders have won three games in a row and they beat a team I like I think at, in some ways the Raiders are for real. I mean if we, let's let's break it down just very quickly. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I I've been on this island for some time. I, I have many compatriots on this island, but it seems to be kind of a 50-50 thing of he's a good quarterback, he's not. I'm on the he is a good quarterback. side of things I think they have two good running backs in Kenyon Drake and um and even though that they they've had the injuries there, I think Kenyon Drake is a solid a solid backup. And then, you know, Decent receiving core. Their offensive line is concerning, and has been, still is. But I, I, And I think this defense has been sort of revamped from when it was you know, a bunch of 40-year-olds running out there a couple years ago. And the pieces are starting to come together a little bit for John and Gruden. Do I think the Raiders are making the playoffs? No. But I think they're a bit better than we expected.
0: Sure, and I also think it's worth noting that two of these three wins have come in overtime. And I think in, in all of those games, I don't think they touched the ball first, or at least the other team got a chance to touch the ball um, at some point in OT. So, yeah, good things from the Raiders. And I think that that's the kind of momentum you see teams build off of. But I still need a few more weeks before I'm ready to declare that this Raiders team uh, is anything more than they have been in the past. There is one game. It, go ahead.
1: If they beat the Chargers this week. If they
0: beat the Chargers, they're for real.
1: I'm all in. <laughs> I'm with
0: you there. No, I, I completely agree. Um, all right. One other game that I, di- I really didn't get a chance to see much of this. I don't know how or why or I, I don't know. I just have not had a chance to see much out of these teams this year. Uh, the Vikings handled the Seahawks 30-17. to 17. Did you get a chance to see much of this game?
1: I saw a bit of this game. Uh, it was one of those where it was like, in the first half, the Seahawks were kind of rolling a little bit. You know, they weren't blowing a uh, lot of it what do you expect? The Seahawks were up a, a, a few touchdowns, and I wasn't really paying attention at that point. And then all of a sudden, you know, you'll see the score ticker and you look on your phone, and all of a sudden, Vikings are getting closer. And the Vikings are getting closer. Boy, here we go. In the second half, boy, Seattle's defense fell apart. Uh, they, they're not particularly healthy at the moment, but still. And, yeah, the Vikings have, again, I was not real thrilled with the Vikings going into this year. I, I thought they would be a good, not great team. You know, just maybe they've been one of the better offenses in football so far this year. And and they were 0 for 0 and 2, but they had, hadn't lost those games by a whole lot. I mean, they lost to the Cardinals because their kicker missed a kick, um, which Vikings fans I know don't know <laughs> anything about. But it's. I, I, again, those are kind of fluky things that when you're really evaluating a team for the rest of the year, you, you take out the window, unless it's the Chargers a couple years ago when they just keep happening. But I, I think the Vikings have actually looked really good. They have been a surprising, like a pleasant surprise to me. I still think that defense has another gear. And I, I, I just looking up and down their depth chart, I feel like that defense should be better. Uh, the the secondary is kind of bad, but their defense should be a little bit better. But I, I think they've looked pretty good. The Seahawks. I just don't know what to make of the Seahawks at the moment, and, and I really—they've been a team going into this year that I really wasn't sure what to do with. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson. I, I like some of their skill guys. Their offensive line is still Seahawkish, but uh, if they're not—if they're not healthy up front, that secondary cannot carry that defense, and they're going to be in for a world of hurt. Especially if San Francisco, you know, kind of figures some things out. I mean, you got the Rams and the Cardinals who've looked good so far. It's too tough of a division to be playing not at your best. And the Seahawks have been kind of wishy-washy.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think we're going to learn a lot about Seattle you know, in this upcoming game against the Niners. Like, I think that's a really good Niners team. I'm going to be interested to see uh, kind of how they respond there. But you know what? You had an opportunity earlier. You said you, you you like to come out and admit when you're wrong. I want to come out and admit that I was wrong about the Vikings. I said this team was going to miss the playoffs. I placed no faith in this team whatsoever. Uh, And through these first three weeks, they've really impressed me. They've come out and played like the team that I knew they could be, but that I severely doubted that they would be. Uh, And let's not forget, they did all this this week against a good Viking or against a good Seahawks team without Dalvin Cook you know Alexander Madison did what he usually does he slotted right in he rushed for 100 plus um, and I think this Vikings team can really make some waves but I agree I, I think the secondary and specifically this defense can be better um, it's just a matter of whether or not they do that on the field so uh, again yeah, the Vikings are a team that I'll be keeping an eye on and I wouldn't be shocked if we see this team find a way maybe um, to slip into the playoffs but where I said the AFC is very shallow I think the NFC is loaded with teams who could make the playoffs under the right circumstances uh, we're going to be in, in for a ride come the last four or five weeks of the regular season two more games left to break down here the Packers come back to beat the 49ers uh look I think I can't remember if it was you or if it was Jordan or if it was Koki I, somebody said that everyone was ready to freak out about the same or to freak out about Green Bay after week one and then everybody thought that we should be singing their praises as a Super Bowl contender after they beat the Lions in week two and that the tree, the truth probably lied somewhere in between well we we kind of found it they're a really good football team. They're still going to struggle at times, but this is a team that came back and beat a really good Niners team, drove the ball down that defense's throat, uh, and set up the game winner for Mason Crosby. So, yeah, again, I think both of these teams are, are probably going to be in the postseason this year, but this was just a fun game between two good football teams, and that's going to be the theme of these next couple games.
1: Yeah, the Niners got rogered. Uh, it happens to the best of us. Uh, Aaron's still got it. I- Maybe Alex Weiner was right that he was still on vacation in Hawaii for that first game. I don't know. He just can't play
0: in Florida, man. He just can't play in Florida ever.
1: (laughs) I don't know. The Packers, they're fine. The 49ers are another team that I feel like has another gear that they haven't quite hit. I know they've been dealing with some injuries offensively, but... I feel like there's there's another gear to them, and I'm curious to see if they can reach it as we we move along throughout the season. But yeah, no reason to panic in, in Green Bay. I, I think after that Week One, it wasn't that they lost to the Saints. It's oh boy, how do you put up three points in, in your in your opener and not score a touchdown? I, I kind of I kind of understand that, but I, I think this proved to everyone who you know even after the Lions win, well, that's just the Lions win. Yeah, Green Bay, they're good. Yeah. Uh, carry on.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Really quickly, Aaron Rodgers, all-time in his career, 3-4 and four with a 78 passer rating in the state of Florida. <laughs> that is not good. Uh, anyway, there was... What
1: uh, Super Bowl this year?
0: That's a very good question. I don't remember. <laughs> we'll, get a, we'll get a fact check on that here in just a moment. But first, let's talk about the game of the week, hyped up as the game of the week. And Ethan, I'm, I'm proud of us, man, because we both said... The two best teams in the NFC were probably the Bucks and the Rams. And to be, to your credit, you actually took it a step further. You said the Bucs uh, were not as good as this L.A. team. Uh, I was a little bit more hesitant on that. And again, I don't think that this game in week three of the regular season tells us everything. But damn, the Rams look good and the defense looks good. And Matt, Staffier, Matt Stafford, I think, is going to look even better once he gets even more comfortable. Um, but this Rams team, man, th- this team is the real deal.
1: I'm and, and I don't understand why we weren't talking about them as the real deal at the beginning. It was kind of like I was. <laughs> uh, I know. Koki was, and I, Koki was, and
0: I, had like a, a heated argument about this. I was like, "Dude, the, I, I think the Rams are better than the Packers this year." Well,
1: and you know, it was Packers, Bucks. Those those were the two teams, and the Rams were thrown in there. I'm not saying that people were like, "Well, the Rams are not for real," you know. But it was like, "Well, the Rams." I don't. I don't know. They're not the. They're not the Bucks. It's like, well, yeah, they 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 are. They had a. T- terrible quarterback last year and now all of a sudden it's weird we we looked at these rams receivers and said oh cooper cubby's good Woods, he? he's pretty good but you know they're not you know on that upper level look well, they had jared goff throwing to them matt stafford is the real deal as a quarterback and i just i don't know why the matt stafford to la news did not make more waves like this should have been like, people going crazy, and maybe it's because people don't care about the Rams as much as some other teams. But like, people should have been losing their minds when they got Matt Snavert. I think he's a really good QB. I'm so glad he's out of Detroit and in a place where he can show off his stuff with a good offensive design. Sean McVay, he's able to, been able to learn his playbook, and I, I just, I just don't, I just don't get why the Rams weren't weren't more hyped up. I mean, this is a good defense. With good skill position players, and they're they're running back at certain all of a sudden ah oh, they're out of it. It's a I get it. Cam Akers is a good running back. It's a running back. Like I just I it, it befuddles me why the Rams were not. And you don't want to put them ahead of Tampa Bay. Fine, they just won the Super Bowl. But I, the Rams should have been the favorite coming out of the NFC. I just don't get why they weren't.
0: Hey, hey Ethan, you wanna you want a piece that's gonna make this a little bit tastier? Super, Super Bowl's in SoFi Stadium this year.
1: I, I know. I saw it. it's in L.A.
0: So. so, and then again, for all those years of well the team that hosts never wins, the Bucks did it. The Rams could do it back-to-back seasons. You never know. Um, this oh. is
1: this is this is why the Raiders need to keep going and make the Super Bowl so they can <laughs> have a home game for the Super Bowl.
0: Well, you know, I don't know about that, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but really quickly, let's talk. We talked about the Rams a little bit. Let's talk about the Bucks in this game. I mean, I, I think they looked okay. It's not like they looked bad, but. There were some things that we were a little bit concerned about, and I think those things kind of got exposed here by the Rams.
1: Their secondary is old, and it's not that good. It wasn't good last year. This I, I, People forgot, because the, the secondary, to their credit, did play pretty well in the playoffs, at least the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. They played pretty well. So we forgot that there was a massive concern about the Bucs' secondary going into the playoffs. That was going to be their downfall. Remember when the Bucs made the playoffs? They were not a sure thing to go and win the Super Bowl.
0: Well, Remember when the Bucs almost surrendered a comeback to Taylor Heineke and the Washington football yeah. team in the first <laughs> round of the playoffs?
1: This is what I was talking about. People now this year, because they won the Super Bowl, and Brady and this and that, oh, they're surefire. No one can beat them. This is a great team. Well, that's not how they were talked about before the playoffs last year. They were a good team that we had some concerns about, and all of a sudden they're they're a perfect team because they won the Super Bowl. No, no, no. This secondary was questionable last year, and when you go up against a quarterback like Matt Stafford or you know Patrick Mahomes with an actual offensive line, no, this this secondary will not do. They're going to get torn up, and they did in this game. Again, this you said it. This game does not you know anoint the Rams as the the, the NFC team to beat, even though I think they already should have been. Necessarily. It doesn't mean, oh, the Bucks are done. It's the Rams' division. To, no. But, boy, if you're Tampa Bay, you're a little bit nervous because you just got tore up by Matt Stafford. Boy, did he look sharp, and... I, I just don't know what the answer is when your secondary is just old and kind of slow.
0: Well, it's funny because you mentioned old and then, they, you know, they're going after Richard Sherman right now. So that's not now – you're not going to help with the age gap um, as some of these guys can roll an AARP. But. But, that's, but,
1: that's, but that's what I'm talking about, right? These guys are looking at, you know, Richard Sherman with a walker because they they have no other options. Like that should concern you that they're looking at Richard Sherman. Like they're they're panicking just a little bit in the secondary – just a little bit, they saw what happened. You know, Bruce Arians is a smart guy, and the the front office down there is smart. They built this team. They did well to do that. They're too smart to have seen this game and seen Matt Stafford light him up and go, oh, yeah, we thought the secondaries was a problem. It it, it, it is. They they got so much pressure on Mahomes in the the Super Bowl that they didn't really have to worry about their secondary because their front was so good. But when you've got a better offensive line like the Rams have – It's not as
0: easy. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So, again, things that we'll be keeping an eye on uh, moving forward, but a couple of really good games last week. Plenty of really good games coming up this week uh, in week four. We'll have a chance to break those down on an episode later on this week. Uh, Really quickly, before we go, wanted to point out some stats here. Again, early in the season, this doesn't necessarily matter because some of these teams have played some weird sample sizes. Um, Your five top scoring offenses in the league are Arizona, Tampa Bay, the Rams, the Bills, and the Chiefs. Your last place teams in scoring offense, I already mentioned the Jets averaging 6.7 points a game. The other teams averaging under 20, some of them make sense. The Bears, the Falcons, the Steelers, the Jags, the Giants, the Colts, some of them may be a little concerning. The Dolphins and the Patriots are both averaging under 20 points a game. Obviously, those teams hang their hats on defense, but to find a spot in the playoffs, that offense is going to have to come along. Uh, And then really quickly, your top five teams in scoring defense, Denver averaging 8.7 a game against nobodies, Carolina averaging 10 points a game, New Orleans averaging 14 a game, Buffalo averaging 14.7, and New England averaging 17. Your worst teams in scoring defense, Detroit, Kansas City, Atlanta, Washington, and Jacksonville. And really quickly, the last thing I wanted to talk about here on the show because we didn't really go in depth on them, um, the Buffalo Bills. I, I know they lost to the Steelers in week one. But uh, they are the only team that appears on both the top five offense and top five scoring defense lists. Uh, this team, I mean, again, I, we need to see it against some better opponents. I think they're going to have some good games coming up here. But I think this Buffalo team, you know, they, they might basically be back to where they were uh, a season ago. That offense has looked really good.
1: Yeah, uh, we talked about the Packers panic button. Boy, were folks smashing the panic <laughs> button on Buffalo. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was like, well... Yes, the, and this was, you know, the Chiefs it, it hadn't lost to the Ravens yet. So it was, oh, boy, after week one, oh, the Chiefs are just going to run away with it. Why were we so silly to even think about Relax. The week one overreactions in at the time don't seem that bad. And we look back a couple weeks later and we're like, oh, my gosh, what were people doing? Like, even if it wasn't a reaction you had, I mean, I, I've had plenty of week one overreactions that, that weren't, weren't good but like even some of the other ones people make us like oh people talking about the Bills yeah they, they look so good against the Steelers and I'm looking back I'm like what were people thinking like well and
0: when people, are are people in, in, team. and when people in, <laughs> in, and when people in Buffalo hit the panic button the button is placed on the top of a, a white table and then you know to, to hit it you have to jump off the top of a lifted yeah. f-150 elbow first, elbow yeah. first uh and, and usually the button is on fire um but yeah you know it, it's all for show uh <laughs> Ethan really quickly before we let you go here any uh any final thoughts you're heading into week number four
1: um, the AFC West is utterly fascinating the Chiefs are the worst team in it currently as you mentioned which I don't think that is how it will end up but hmm. the question then is who is the worst team in the AFC West Is it's probably not the Chargers we talked about them so that leaves the, and it's probably not the Chiefs
0: it's the Broncos
1: <laughs> so is it the Raiders Spoil- or is it the Broncos it's
0: the Broncos spoiler alert when, it's, it's the Broncos but
1: here's the thing <laughs> I think the Broncos are kind of decent.
0: You've been higher on the Broncos, no pun intended, than any other person I know. And I know you you hate them, which is why it's so weird to me. Like if you were a Broncos fan from Denver, I'd be like, okay, I I get it. You're not even a Broncos fan. You don't like the Broncos. I, I don't get why you love this team so much.
1: Okay, here's the thing. I couldn't stand, I don't actually hate the Broncos this year because for a few reasons. Broncos fans have been less obnoxious this year. Whoa. because they weren't supposed to be that good, Okay, Shocking. shocking. Um, shout out to all my Broncos fans. My Same. family are Broncos fans. I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> uh, number two, I like their quarterback. It's not, you know, running, you know, throw it 200 yards downfield, Drew Locke. Like, I-, I like Teddy Bridgewater. I've been a fan of his. And I like that he won despite the Denver media wanting Drew Locke so bad. But Teddy is just clearly the better quarterback and, like, all of us who are sane knew that, and, and he's the quarterback. I like Teddy, I, and I just think they're they're decent. I think their defense is good. I think Von Miller has looked way better than he has in the last couple of years. Like he's had a renaissance in some senses this year. And here's the thing: here's why I brought that up. It was to talk about the Broncos a little bit because the Broncos have played against three terrible football teams, but the Broncos have a really easy schedule. This year, which they have gotten sauced on the last like three years. They've, for as much as I like to, you know, doubt on hate on the Broncos and say, yeah, relax, Denver fans, stop lining. They have gotten sauced with the schedule. I, 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 are the Broncos the worst team in the AFC West? Because if they are, then oh boy, the AFC West is good because I think Denver could finish 500. I don't think, I, I, I agree. I
0: don't both. think, I don't think they're a bad football team. And I think that with their schedule, they're going to have some impressive numbers at the end of the year. But I think that if you give the Broncos and the Raiders identical schedules and they still play each other twice, I still think the Raiders come out on top.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think the Broncos, I, I, here's the thing. <laughs> I hope these two teams keep on winning or at least they're somewhat close when they play each other. Because sure. Broncos Ra- Raiders used to be a huge rivalry. And it's just no one's cared recently because either one team is bad or both of them are, usually the Raiders. And, and so if both teams are kind of going good, I, I, I want to I see that. I, I think that, if, especially when it's here in Denver, I think the, the Raider haters will uh, come out in force. I have just one more note for you, Tyler. All right, hit me. <clears throat> and I did not realize this, I didn't know this. I'm kind of surprised I didn't, but I, I did not know this fact, and I learned it the other day. There's only one division in football where every single team in the division has won a Super Bowl. There's only one.
0: Wow. Oh, hold up. Ah, I know we got we got to go, but I, I want to figure this out first. I'm trying to rifle through these in my head. There's only one division in the NFL where every single team has won a Super Bowl.
1: It, it blew me away that there was only one. I was like, no, no, no way that's true. And then I went through and I'm like, no, Have no, the no. Have the Chargers won
0: a Super Bowl? <clears throat> no. Okay, so it's not the AFC West. I'm trying to think about this. So I don't... I, it's not the AFC... Is it the A... No, it's not the AFC East. It's not the AFC North. It's not the AFC South. Uh, Is it the NFC East?
1: It's the NFC East.
0: That makes sense. Those teams have been around for literally forever.
1: <laughs> and, and it's not... And I know the NFC East has been, you know, the NFC least recently... But that wasn't the reason I was surprised. It wasn't that it was the NFC East. It was that there was only one. Like I couldn't believe that. Yeah,
0: no, that that is kind of surprising. Although I mean, again, when you look at some of these teams, there are some newer franchises around. But no, it, it, that's that's shocking. I would have thought there was at least another one. That's that's a good one. I like that.
1: Yeah, that's
0: all. That's all I got. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Well, Ethan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always good to talk some football with you and uh, enjoy some more football up the upcoming
1: this week. Uh, I won't because I'm a Jets fan. But <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, moment of silence uh, for, for Ethan and, and for the Jets. It's, uh, it's going to be a rough ride, but they will uh, maybe figure it out. We'll find out. Uh, that'll about do it for us. want to say thank you one more time for tuning in. This has been the TVH Sports Podcast. We'll have another episode breaking down some Week 4 action later this week.